Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas today in the consumer products world, like custom products. If you love your pet, you're going to love the podcast today. I mean, seriously, you guys are going to love this company that I just discovered literally in the last couple of months, and I'm so excited that I did. Um, I'm introducing you today to Cuddle Clones and their co-founder and CMO, Adam Green. Adam, it's so great having you on the podcast. Hey, Justin. Yeah, I'm excited to be here and uh, excited to talk with you. Dude, this is so cool. Um, I have three dogs, uh, all different sizes. So um, when I saw the information come across, I was like, okay, this is really, really cool. I can't wait to like unpack this and figure out like, how did you... How did you start this? And like, I mean, anyway, it's it's amazing. Like, there's a picture here of a dog sitting next to the actual dog. Anyway, it's kind of cool. I, I can't wait for you to share with our audience what you do and how you how you do this. But um, before we get to Cuddle Clones, uh, let's start with your background. I I did my homework on you. I saw you worked for big companies in marketing. You worked in digital. You have an entrepreneurship background as well. But just share with our audience your path um, before you started the business. Yeah, sure. So I worked, uh, well, I guess the biggest company I worked for uh, was Humana um, uh, Health Insurance. And there I did a couple of different roles. I was a project manager for a while, but primarily worked in in digital marketing. So I did digital ads um, and then eventually into um, more specialized conversion rate optimization, which for for people that don't know what that is, it's kind of more of a sexy thing now. But 10 to 12 years ago, that was... was, Nobody knew what it was then. (laughs) Yeah, I think there was like one international conference in like 2008. but, Everybody uh, knows, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. It's, it's a very sick thing now. So I really focused specifically on that and actually really kind of started the team at Humanity. That was a big company. Again, it was a fairly new thing and had, um, I believe at one point, maybe six people under me. I'm, I'm in my early 20s at this point. Um, but it just wasn't you know, what I wanted to do. I had always wanted to start my own company um, and really never had... Uh, I'd say any particular idea that I wanted to hang my hat on. Um, so um, when I was 24, 25, I had enrolled in an entrepreneurial MBA cohort um, at the University of Louisville, uh, oh, wow. in Kentucky, which is, Very which is cool. where I'm from, um, uh, my hometown. So got into that program. Um, again, the, the cohort's entrepreneurial focus. Um, so the very, I'd say maybe the first or second class, you're, you're around a lot of like-minded people who are there to start businesses. And, and I'd say um, we, we each kind of formally talked about, you know, here's what you know my two best ideas are and why I came to the program. Well, one of my classmates was named uh, or is named Jennifer Williams, and she she pitched her ideas and Cuddle Clones was one of them. Um, so oh, wow. I can't take any any credit for for the idea. It's totally her brainchild. <laughs> and, and after she pitched it, um, I had never spoken to her. I walked up to her afterward and I said, um, I think that's a really, really good idea. I think there's a giant market for that. I can see business, you know, partnerships, a whole bunch of stuff. And I think we can sell ads, you know, digital ads on that right now. And it's going to get crazy click-through rate, crazy engagements, and lower the cost of spend. Just the awareness will be so easy. And she, you know, not coming from anything digital, she was actually an actuary. So she's oh, wow. on the financial side, which also has nothing to do with um, <laughs> creating stuff to animals. Different neither skill of us set. had any background. Yeah, different yeah. Skill different set. skill sets, and arguably neither of them the primary skill sets that you need. I love it. Um, so she said, okay, that sounds great. So we kind of, for the next year and a half or so, kind of formally did um, a very academic business plan. We did some 
business plan competitions, which are very much like Shark Tank, if you think so, um, where you go to these, you know, uh, different universities, some of them are private institutions, and, and you pitch against a number of other teams. We had won four, three or uh, four, I believe, of the six that we entered and had some, some prize winnings. And wow. part of the, the, the idea of um, doing this is that those prize winnings have to go towards business expenses or else you only get like a fraction of the winning. Got it. So her, her and I, and we had two other members at that time um, that weren't necessarily into the idea of, of running with this post-graduation, but her and I were. So we're like, hey, we'll kind of buy you out now. The two of us want to put the remaining of these prize winnings into you know, a professional market surveys and some product sampling and, and so on. So we did that. Um, and that was the, in 2011. Um, for about, uh, about a year and a half, two years, we worked on product development. And this is all, as we alluded to, none of us had any experience um, or any expertise in manufacturing. Um, neither of us had ever been to the Orient, which is where almost all plush material uh, comes from. Of course. All plush design. Yeah. So uh, it took us about a year and a half to, to get accurate samples and, and what we envisioned a cuddle clone being in both um, adorableness, which somehow we, we tried to quantify, and <laughs> and and accuracy. Um, so it took us a, a while. And, and the big part of that was, as you might imagine, there's no existing vendor that wants to make one-off designs. Right, because they want you know. to do mass-produced. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Maybe a hundred error, you know, a hundred um, design run, a small bulk order, but that's about it. Um, so we eventually got at least a couple of sample um, artists to create them to then go to investors and say, here's what it's going to look like. We're going to figure you know this out on our own and open up our own workshop. And it, if I had been on the other side of that, uh, or their side of that um, conversation as an investor, which I'm somewhat in that chair now, would have been I would have said, that's nice kids. You're not going to, that's not going to happen for you. Um, you got you know, no experience here. Right. Um, but I, I'll give Jennifer a lot of credit. She uh, actually moved to China for a couple of months. Wow. Um, and we did set up our own workshop. So it's a, uh, to this day is a wholly owned foreign um, entity, which is funny enough when you acronym it out, it's, it's a woofy um, <laughs> on that with the dogs. Um, and it's, it's underneath of our books right now. We, we own our own workshop in China and, wow. and it's really been a blessing. Um, and I know I'm, I'm rambling a little bit here. I'll, I'll stop, but this last point is, is really um, kind of key that it, um, it's enabled us to be completely vertically integrated. So we have no, you know, supplier power, um, right. our gross margins are fantastic because we own our own workshop and, and we manage it too. So sure. there's, there's no fat, um, in, in the cost structure there. Wow. Uh, so cuddle clones, uh, custom stuffed animal of your pet, um, which I think is so cool. Share with our audience how it works. Like what, how does, how does the process work? Yeah, sure. I probably should explain what the product was. Before nah, that that's okay. Hey, that's okay. I mean, we're asking about you. We weren't even to the product yet. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Yeah. Well, here now's the good stuff. Yeah. I'm out of the way. No, that's the great. product is, is the good stuff. Um, so it is a custom stuffed animal, uh, 100% made um, customly by hand um, of your pets. And uh, the way that it works, um, it's entirely online right now. So you go to cuddleclones.com, uh, cuddle like you would cuddle with a blanket, clone, uh, plural clones, like a scientific clone. Um, and you upload several pictures of your pet. We need at least one picture of the face, um, but recommend pictures of both sides, you know, stomach, chest, back, tail. Um, you can further personalize it from there. So you can choose the ear position, one ear up, oh, wow. one ear down if you want, um, the color of each eye, um, and also the body position. So if you want them sitting, standing, lying down, uh, and more recently we're adding um, 
some, uh, I would say, not often uh, chosen um, body positions, but uh, or not often asked for anyway, but often enough that we're going to add them, which is the, the begging position. So a dog comes up and begs <laughs> nice. their, their, their hands um, or the, the frog laying. So completely splat out, which I'm sure you've seen pictures of. Of course. Back legs and front logs forwards. Anyway, a lot of personalized options, and we also personalize the tag with the name of the pet. Um, it takes about six to eight weeks for a regular order, so it is custom-made, and it does take a little bit of time. Um, you can rush that for up to two weeks um, at certain times of the year. Got it. So I upload my photos, and then what happens on your side? You know, what's, what's the process look like, the manufacturing, I'll call it? Yeah, yeah. So once we have, um, I'd say, a, an order folder ready, we have all the information from you, the, the pictures, the personalized options. Um, it goes into our designer queue. Um, sometimes they'll start with a an existing template of a breed if it's a specific breed, but every one um, is tweaked in some way. So also in the what I failed to mention in the ordering process, you can handwrite in distinguishing characteristics. So if there's a scar or some kind, you know, missing a leg, anything that's unique that's not in sure. the, the, the field um, to choose, you can handwrite that in. So we adjust um, uh, the design to fit your pet um, specifically. Uh, then it goes into uh, cutting. So um, the design is completely flat. Uh, all the pieces are, are kind of lined out and drawn out. Then it goes into a cutting machine to cut out those pieces. It's it. hand-sewn. Um, and from there, there's airbrush techniques and certain fabric techniques that we use to get the colors um, on each cuddle foam. Wow, that's interesting. Now, um, how did you find people that know what how to airbrush and like do this? Like, this is pretty detailed work. Yeah, yeah. So we um, again, not something that was utilized fairly often, um, even in the existing plush design process. So um, we kind of just you know innovated uh, once we got there. It was I'll, I'll give the initial designers a lot of credit. So we had said, hey, you know, if we have individual pieces of fabric, let's say a dog is. An Australian Shepherd, you know, multicolored, very tough to replicate the, the fur pattern. Um, how do we do that quickly and accurately? Well, if you were to try to cut out a circle, a black circle, then a gray circle, then a white circle, and or you know, streaks where you know the colors are mixed together, that almost becomes impossible to do by hand. But then also, it just doesn't look good. Um, sure. The, the, the contrast is too stark between the colors and the seam lines. So airbrushing um, is really what just kind of naturally came about. Now, how they got good at it, our designers and our teams, that did take a long time. Um, so sure. between 2012 and uh, mid-2013, we had a, a fair amount of staff that we didn't have orders coming in. We had some um, some investment in, but we were basically paying them to to, um, to practice. Right, <laughs> yeah. I bet. Um, and uh, and they did, and they got there. And even now, when we take when we hire a new person, it's a six to eight months kind of apprenticeship for them to get where we feel comfortable wow. with them being on the line. So you decided to start this business um, with your colleague. Uh, it get you, you start hiring people and, and having them get trained and whatnot. I mean, how did the first customers work out? I mean, if they didn't, if the if the folks that make this weren't that good, then did, was it a struggle or was it just you know friends and family at first? What did that look like? Yeah, um, we did. Uh, I think like um, um, a crowdfunding thing that wasn't necessarily giving anyone equity, but um, got it. You know, it's you get a, 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 a free plush, right? Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. Um, and it was friends and family, and they were all, "Oh, this is great," but I'm sure half of them were kind of like, "I would, <laughs> I wouldn't pay." It doesn't you know, really look like my dog. For this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, thanks, you guys are having fun with your little business here, but I don't know about this product. Um, and I would have, if, if that had been the case, that you know, they didn't directly say it to me uh, or us, but um, had they said that, I probably would have agreed with them at that time. Um, Right when we first launched that, I think we were probably four to five months into into our kind of training program, and that's where we 
we kind of realized and have since, you know, kind of mandated in our hiring policy that it really does take six to eight months, no matter how sure. artistic and how good you are, it just takes that long. But shortly after that, you know, those first few months, we, we were pretty much right on it and have been on it since on the, on the quality side. Well, I, and so got it. So at that point, you've got the production process and website and you with your digital background, I'm, what, what did it look like in terms of getting the word out, starting to attract interest and attention? Sure. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we did some traditional marketing in the beginning. So there was some pet print magazines at the time that were still relevant enough and had a, a big enough circulation that, and, and, um, I wouldn't say cheap necessarily, but very sure. highly targeted audience. Um, so we, we did some there, but really we came out of the gate doing a lot of Facebook ads. Oh, I, interesting. I, I Got knew, it. Knew a lot about, um, and at this time, Facebook was still relatively inexpensive. Uh, the value of Facebook uh, right. was, was very good to the advertiser. Um, so that really helped grow our um, our revenue. And then our kind of social presence and our and our email subscriber list really grew, I'm sure in part by the by the paid spend on Facebook. But back then also the, the organic um, nature of, of Facebook and even Instagram um, was so much better than the algorithm was so much more kind to organic, um, you know, likes and engagement. Um, now you basically have to pay for anybody who's ever liked you to, to see anything right. you're going to post. <laughs> um, but, right. but back then it, that wasn't the case. So we actually built a, a really good foundation of organic um, uh, customers uh, or even just users, I guess, um, uh, logged in users on the website um, back when the, the organic algorithm was, was pretty kind. And was there a point where you you started to realize, wow, we actually may have something here. We're we're kind of we're we're turning the corner. We're we're actually in the in the green versus the red. What was there yeah. a point when you guys remember that that you thought you might have a real business here? Yeah, I'd say it was probably 2015. Um, so about uh, two years after we had really you know fully launched uh, our website, um, we had we, we kind of went viral um, a little bit in February oh, wow. of, of 15. Um, so I think. Um, it was all those sites that were, you know, content aggregate sites um, sure. like Buzzfeed, Huffington Post, all that. So one of them picks it up, and then the, the other ones are quickly behind on this, you know, somewhat novel product, and it's pet related. So that's always good engagement for them, and gets the clicks and advertising dollars for them. So when a couple of people picked it up in in that realm, um, a lot of people picked it up a couple of days later, and then it just kept getting growing and, and growing. Big. And then it gets into traditional media. So a lot of these. Um, you know, media conglomerates that have that own news stations in, you know, Pittsburgh and Detroit and all these other things, and even smaller cities than that, they get wind of something that's trending so high on the on the online side that they pick it up and make it a thirty minute or a thirty second or a or a minute, you know, um, news story just to, to fill time on the nightly news. Sure. Um, so then we started getting a lot of traditional, um, you know, eyes and ears, and it just kind of built up, built up, built up, and from that point, we were like, wow, we, you know, we really got to scale. And it's, it's inherent, well, at least at the time, was a, a pretty tough thing to scale. It's very uh, laborious. It's, um, it's manual. Um, so we, I think it really forced us to do some things we were planning on doing in a year or two right at that moment. Um, but we knew that the demand was there and we knew that this could be a pretty big business and the addressable market of essentially all pet owners had right. you know, just, been, Monster. just been scratched. Monster. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Now um, with COVID and whatnot, did that help you guys with people being home more or didn't, was it kind of consistent growth? What, or, you know, like a lot of retailers and have seen different trends. Some have been, had a blowout year and some have had struggles. What, what did that look like for you guys? Yeah, it actually did help us. Um, if I could choose one or the other, I'd, I'd say it helped us. So um, not only did the Facebook costs kind of go down from what it had been trending the, the few years before, or at least leveled out, um, 
we we also sold face masks. Um, oh, so interesting. That's right. I saw we, that on your site. Yeah, and and we um, so we sold some generic face masks that had some um, you know were dog and cat themed, but we also sold custom face masks where you could send a picture of your pet. Oh. We crop crop out the face, and you could add in you know various backgrounds. Dude, um, to the, the, the dog face mask has four hundred and twenty two reviews, almost five star. Four hundred twenty two reviews. Yeah, and we also started offering here. it. I think in oh June, God. you know. <laughs> so it's I mean, six months or so. Do you know how um, hard it is to get reviews, let alone four hundred and twenty-two? Jeez, man. Yeah, and I, and I would even say that we we actually aren't great at sourcing our own reviews. We're we're a lot better than we were, but that's um, something we've only recently wow. really put a lot of effort into. You could probably do a um, whole lesson for everybody on that. Uh, well, yeah, I, I might be a student in that lesson. I don't know. Um, but uh, so I'd say, you know, that was a fair amount of revenue for us that we I weren't bet. really projecting in any kind of budget. Um, and we did do some advertising on that. But, you know, obviously, there was just a lot of natural demand due to the pandemic. Um, and we could source those at a unit cost and a, and even the this are the generic ones we ordered in bulk, but the custom ones, you know, they're, they're made to order. Sure. But because we have our own workshop in China, um, we have kind of a network of, of trusted suppliers to say, hey, can you know who who among our trusted suppliers already makes face masks that are you know of this grade and quality sure. and can do a custom print? You know, three hands raise and we say, okay, we want you know your capacity for the next four months of, of that line, <laughs> and we can do that in two days, whereas most people in the U.S. you know can't. Sure. Wow, that's so cool. Um, so you started off making the clone, the plush clones, as they're called here. Um, and there's some amazing pictures for those that haven't been to cuddleclones.com. Some funny pictures of you know the actual dog next to the, the plush. Okay, but then you get into golf and face masks and household apparel. Like, was that the plan, accessories, or was that just like, okay, we should just continue to grow our product line? What did that look like? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to say that was the plan, but I, I I will admit that I think the plan was fairly vague. It was the plan was more products. <laughs> it Got wasn't it. really necessarily in the plush line or in right. you know uh, custom uh, prints of, of pets. Um, now the, the golf um, specifically has really become a, a big seller for us, and that That's really crazy. just came out of um, Jennifer and I, my co-founder. We were we, we both golf, um, and totally. would always be on be on weekends. And one time, she's like, "Oh, you know, it's a beautiful day. I'd rather, I'd rather golf." I was like, "All right, we can talk through, you know, whatever we were going to meet about while we golf." And like her head cover, she lost it, and we were going back to look around, and we saw someone um, say, "Hey, is this your head cover?" And they hooked up you know, picked up something they found on, on a green or something. And it was kind of like a generic dog. And she's right. like, no, that's not it. We're kind of walking about. And then we both just kind of looked at each other. And we're like, what if that was your dog? It was like, what, it's just like a light bulb hit like both of us at the exact same time. And a lightning bolt. And Dude, we're like, we should try that. That is so funny. I went to Georgia Tech. And so I've like for years had this like yellow jacket, like a buzz, like it's like a bumblebee oh, yeah. head cover. And, um, and I love it. And I, people always say something and you know, all that. And you see some of the T- PGA players, that I mean, but dude, these look amazing. I didn't think about golf head covers. It's so funny. Yeah, honestly, it's my favorite product. <laughs> I, think um, it's I, I, love it. I have one, and uh, there, there, it's a great gift. So for Father's Day and, and Christmas too, but really any <laughs> gift for for I would say for a man, but you know for anybody that, that's a golfer, um, if you don't know what to get them for a gift. It's it's a good one. If they're a pet lover, it's good. yeah, this is so cool. Um, well, interesting. So, uh, who is your typical? shopper or consumer do you have it profiled or are you able to to see or, or figure out who that is who's your target we do yeah we do um so it's it's 60 40 um 
leaning towards female. So 60% female, um, at least as the purchaser. Now, as the end results, so if there's, you know, who it's actually right. for, because uh, we do have a lot of gift, that's more 80-20 female. Got so it. even when the men are buying it, a lot of times it's for female. And that's across all product lines. That's not anything specific to one product. Got it. Um, we also have a fair amount on the Cuddle clone, the plush clone specifically. Um, there's about a third of those are purchased for bereavement when the pet has passed away. Oh, God. I remember honoring the pet. That's, uh, well, what a great way to, I mean, they look so close to the dog. It's hilarious. Or cat. Um, I'm just yeah. a dog guy. Um, so that's really cool. <laughs> uh, you know, oh, you mentioned being a co-founder. Were there things that you were doing that she was not? Or did you guys sort out like who's going to be what? Or did that just naturally take place? Uh, it kind of naturally took place. So anything that was marketing related. So I was basically in charge of sales and uh, anything to do with growing our kind of our customer base. Um, and then she just kind of naturally took over accounting finance um, and then operations. We kind of managed together for quite a while. Um, and then now we have some people um, at our workshop in China that we've have been with us for a number of years and are, are great. So a lot of the load has been taken off of us there, at least in China. Um, U.S. operations, um, we both kind of managed uh, and still manage kind of to today. We do have a guy now that's pretty much in charge of that, and he's doing great. He's scaling our, our customer service and everything. But yeah, we pretty much stuck on what we had um, expertise in coming into the venture. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, co-founders, usually someone's good at certain things and some of the others do good at the other things. Um, yeah. Wow. So you've been in this now for a, a number of years um, and still growing. Like what if, if you were going to share two or three pieces of advice or lessons learned from, you know, launching, growing a business, jumping into something like this, what what would be that advice you'd share to our other listeners? Sure. I would, uh, I guess it's how much money do you really need? Use of funds is a real big thing. <laughs> oh, <interesting. laughs> and always assume, and we didn't even talk about that, but always assume that you need more than, than you think you do than your budget or your forecast. Um, uh, the other thing that I would say is that make sure that you you um, take your time hiring people. Um, this might not necessarily be specific to startups. It could really be anything. But the quicker you get good people into the key roles, it makes your life as a, as a founder, if you're in charge uh, of growing the company, so much easier when you can hand things over and not have to either micromanage or, or really be the true responsible party when you can really trust people to own you know tasks and goals um the the last thing that i would say this is kind of maybe marketing specific is find a way to build your your user base if you if you know if you have an app or, or something else that you're just growing and you have user metrics or daily active users whatever you can do to, to do that inexpensively that sounds so generic to say um but if you think about all of the inexpensive or free ways to grow a user base prior to just saying all right how much What's our click-through rate? And okay, we need a million dollars sure. in spend. And okay, that'll equal the amount of you know users, unique users that we need. That's great, and do that. But before even spending that money, figure out if there's any partnerships you can do, free PR, anything on the marketing side. Totally, free, like podcasts, like this. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Which I is mean, why I'm here. <laughs> exactly, I totally get it. It's so great. I love it, and I I love it. I love meeting folks like you, entrepreneurs in this space. It's so so exciting. Um, share with the listeners where they can. Get their own cuddle clone where they can learn more about your product line, get their golf head covers, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. If you go onto Instagram, we are at uh, cuddle clones. That's probably the best um, uh, social platform to check us out. We're also at Facebook and Twitter, Pinterest, all the other places at cuddle clones. Um, and really just check out our entire product line. Um, we have blankets, socks, uh, mugs, all 
donning, um, you know, your custom <laughs> pet, uh, in addition to the plush items. And you can find all that at cuddleclones.com. That's so cool. I love it, Adam. Um, Hey man, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Can't wait to have you back on. This is, I can't wait to see where you take this thing. Um, by the way, you guys are, are as you're listening, you can go to the website. There's all kinds of ways to get free or not free, but coupons for discounts, uh, signing up the newsletter, etc. Um, so check it out. Cuddleclones.com. Adam, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, appreciate it, Justin. Thank you. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contendercast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.